Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Priscilla and I will be... Um, sharing together. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. And as you're turning there, let me just say really quickly, um, if you were here last week, uh, Keith and Sharon Leitzel did an amazing job. It was so good. Uh, It was so, so good. I I, I got a chance to watch it and and I was like, oh man, that's good. That's some of the stuff we do and some of the stuff we learned about this past week. So um, if you didn't get a chance to be here for that, you can find that on our website. You can find that on our app. Um, we'll actually, it's kind of spoiler alert here, we're going to be uh, launching a podcast and you'll be able to find that on our podcast in the next... Uh, How many podcast listeners in the room? A couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, yeah. Over half the room. Yeah, so uh, so we'll be launching that and letting you know about that really soon. And so they were absolutely amazing and phenomenal. That was so great. Um, and and also this doesn't really fit. And I just I just wanted to make sure uh, that we did this really quickly. And I didn't I don't have any good transition for this. Um, but February is Black History Month. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we've been in this relationship series. And so, um, uh, you, you know, it was just kind of one of those things. I, I don't personally like the fact that it's the shortest month of the year. I don't, I don't know the history behind that. But at least there is um, a time where we can remember and celebrate uh, the, the, the history, it, this is so, whenever we do this and she, she'll start saying stuff to me, like I can talk I and listen to her I at the same time. I slip in words. I can't, I can't do that. He Why ignores don't, me. You, you got a microphone. Say what you want to say. I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> oh, welcome just to like our home. when you're on the phone, yeah. I just slip you the words. I don't want to interrupt the conversation. Yeah, but I, I okay, so let me, let me help you and I, maybe this will help them. I cannot do two things at once. So if I'm talking, I can't he, listen to what I can you're, do two things at once. I know, but you think that I can, and I am I not that good. I do. Okay, so, um, so I, I just wanted to, you know, this is a diverse church, but we also wanted to make sure that we recognized and honored. There's so many um, and so much of black history that I was never taught in a suburban high school in Georgia. Being a white guy, I was like, wait, what? There's some I wasn't taught in my inner city ghetto school. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I have no good transitions into this or out of this. I, I hope you guys turn to Genesis chapter one, because now we just, we just got to get in. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking about relationships and we've been talking about purpose in relationships. And today we wanted to share uh, um, some purposes of marriage. Now, marriage has a lot of different purposes. We're not going to be able to cover all of the purposes of marriage, but we wanted to share with you three specific purposes in marriage. And if you are not married, um, then listen, don't check out. I was actually talking to somebody this week and I was inviting them to church and they, they said, so what are you preaching on? And I was like, man, just come, man. It's going to be amazing because he's single. And, and then he was like, okay, yeah, 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 I'm going to be there. So what are you preaching on? I was like, man, I'm just trying not to tell you. He was like, I know. So now I really want to know. 
And I was like, marriage. And he's like, oh, man, I'll come next week. I was like, listen, no, man, I promise you, you'll get something out of this. Um, so if you're dating or going to be dating or would like to be dating, you're going to get a lot out of this too because what we want you to do is if you're not married, we want you to listen to this, um, not just in the terms of a marriage relationships, but in here's some things I need to look for and I need to be aware of as I'm dating because dating in the Christian context is simply for the purpose of getting married. That's the reason to date if you're a Christian, is to see, is this the person God wants for me? Is this uh, things I need to pray about and observe in them and, and things I need to know before I make this decision? Dating in a Christian context is not about just going and having fun and hanging out. No, no, no. It, it, it needs to be purposeful for the purpose of marriage. So Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, it says in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over the birds of the heavens, and no, why did I write that twice in there? And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. <laughs> Y'all got it. Okay, so the first purpose for marriage is unity. First purpose is unity. Here you see God saying, let us make man in our image. So we as male, female, as man, woman, we were made in the image of God, in the image of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When God is saying, let us make man, he's talking about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you have the unity of the Godhead, but then you have us being made in his image and in his likeness, and there should be a unity there. So obviously we know there should be unity between us and God. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, Paul says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast or cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So when you get married, the two of you become one, and that oneness, that unity is first of all with God, but then it should be with each other. In our premarital counseling sessions, we always ask this question, and we always ask it in the very first session. We ask, did God tell you to get married or... Do you at least have a peace with getting married? A peace from God, not a peace from your hormones. I heard that one. A peace from God. Because the truth of the matter is a lot of people get married for a lot of different reasons. But when you go a level deeper into why they got married, 9.999 times out of 10, it's because of selfish reasons. Now, we say it in a way that doesn't sound selfish at all. We say it like, I just want to love you for the rest of my life. But really, what is that about? I want to, I want to do this. I get something out of this. I feel a certain way. I think it's uh, all these different things. I want to do this. Um, some just say, I want to spend the rest of my life with him or her. And really, again, that's about you and, and what you want. Some people get married because they're just afraid that if they don't get married now, they will stay single forever. And again, that is all about you. The reason that we ask, did God tell you or do you have a peace with it, is because marriage is about unity. It's about oneness. The purpose of it is, is this oneness that God calls us to. It's about these two becoming one. And this only happens through selflessness, and it never happens through selfishness. So when you come in and you're like, I want to get married because they are so beautiful and he is so handsome and this and that. And I want to spend my life with them and I want to love them and I want this. And I, man, I'm just, I'm just, oh, they just changed my life and they make my life so much better. Yeah, yeah, that's great. But if you've been married any amount of time, you know that is not going to sustain you for a lifetime. 
And there have been times, she's never had this, so this is just me, just me. There have been times, and she's never done this, but there's been times where I've said, God, this woman you gave me. And I needed to know that God put us together, and it wasn't because I wanted a better life, or I wanted to love her, or I wanted her, I, I, I. I needed to know this was because God put us together. And if God put us together, then no man, including me, should ever be able to divide us. And so this unity, we need to understand, is about selflessness, not selfishness. And, 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 and let, me, let me clear up some things, especially if you're dating or going to be dating, and maybe you're already married and, like, you didn't get married for this reason. That's okay. Now you have a responsibility. But, but I want to I make it very, very clear what you're signing up for when you get married or, or when you got married. What you're signing up for is not a life that betters you, even though it will better you. You are signing up for a life of serving your spouse. That is what you're signing up for. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33 um, says this. It says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I believe that this is the verse that best sums up the relationship of a husband and a wife. This, This sums it up. And I guarantee you, if you do this effectively and consistently, then you will have a healthy, godly marriage. Because here's what you're saying. Husbands, let's, let's talk to you first. Let each one of you love your wife as himself. Husbands, you're, you are signing up for, or you have already signed up for, loving your wife as you love yourself. If you back up a few verses, Paul said to love her as Christ loved the church. So how did, how did Christ love the church? which is us. He literally died for us. Literally, he died for you, for me, for the church. So what does that mean for us husbands? It doesn't mean that we need to jump in and take a bullet for our wife, even though if it came to that, we should. That's not what it's talking about, because that may or may not ever happen. What it's talking about is we should die daily for our spouse. We should crucify our flesh and take up our cross daily to love our wife. That's not easy. When we went through the discipleship with the 10 guys last year, um, we, I mean, they have this verse memorized forwards, backwards, left, right, up, down, because we talked about it every session. Because we'd have these marital conversations, and there'd be this, and there'd be that, and I had one recently. And it's like, listen, the answer is love her as you love yourself as Christ loved the church. So that means you sacrifice. You don't like that, you die to yourself. You, 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 you don't, you, you shouldn't, she doesn't, oh, you know what, Ephesians 5.33. Find one of the guys that went through our discipleship, and I'm telling you, they will tell you Ephesians 5.33. Because it's over and over, it's a consistent thing, it's not a one-time thing. You can't just do this once or make this decision one time, you have to consistently do this. Jesus also leads the church. He leads the church. And if the church is not led by Jesus, the church is in trouble. And what does that mean? Jesus is a, is a good leader. What is a good leader? A good leader takes, one pe- takes people from one location to another location. Husbands, where is your family going? Where are you and where, where are you leading them to? A, a good leader teaches his followers. Husbands, are you teaching your, your wives? Are you teaching your family? Are you leading them in that way? A good leader does not blame the followers. One of the things that bothers me to no end is when a leader says that, oh, it's because of the followers. We, we heard this, and we've done this in our church as a staff for a couple years now. Like, we will not blame anything on y'all. So if we have something and y'all don't show up, we're not like, oh, they didn't come to that because they don't really love Jesus. No, no, no. We didn't lead you to that. We weren't a good enough leader to that. 
And that's on us. That's not on you. A good leader doesn't blame the followers. Husbands, are you blaming who's supposed to be following you in your home? Because many of you guys are amazing leaders outside of the home. And, and I'm not even going to say y'all. We are not as good often inside of our home as we are outside of our home. A good leader provides for the followers. He makes sure that those that are following him are taken care of and they're, they're protected. And a husband should be a good leader to his wife and to his family. There's specific significance of a wife's role um, in a marriage. And I want to reference Genesis 3.6. So I'm going to have you all go there. And this is specifically uh, in the Garden of Eden. And it's after Satan has come to tempt Eve to turn her back on God. I referenced it yesterday at the Sisterhood Heart Talk. Who was at the Heart Talk yesterday? And let me say this really quickly. All those ladies who came out, man, you guys are absolutely amazing. We had 74 women come out yesterday to not just connect and hang out and have fun, but to invest in your spiritual growth and your connection with God and your connection with others and your connection with your purpose. So, wow, that was absolutely amazing. Thank you guys so much. So exciting. Verse 6 is... Uh, when Eve's mind, she begins to accept what the enemy was presenting to her because every individual, but specifically in this context today, every wife will always be tempted to turn her back on God and his way, but also on the person she is married to uh, because the enemy is always coming to divide. So verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delicious, it was a delight to the eye. So this is where her mind begins to change. God said I shouldn't do it, but now I've let the enemy talk me into thinking that this standard, which opposes God, is a delight. It's just fine for me. She, it goes on to say, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to who? Her husband. I referenced yesterday the importance of our actions as women because where we go, they follow. Yes, they are leaders, but we are given influence in our home that is very, very special. In Genesis, uh, I believe, 1, when God creates Eve and he gives her the designation of being a helpmeet, the title or the role of helpmeet is the only synonymous role in the Bible to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to what? To be a comforter, a helper, a guide. And so when you look at our role in a marriage relationship, if it is one truly, like Pastor Evan is saying, of bringing unity, then there is a certain way that we have to do that. There is a certain gentleness. There is a certain um, love that should be coming from how we do that. Because remember, whatever we do and accept, we will turn to him and then offer him the same thing, even if it's in the form of a disagreement. If we find ourselves in a place where we get super mad, super angry, and in a disagreement, and then we are bringing that towards him, he then has a choice to either jump right in there with us, 
or stay in the righteous path, right, in terms of getting his flesh under control, managing it the way he should, the way God says, because everything about us, who we are, we are also offering it to that person. We are one with them. So in a marriage relationship, it is extremely powerful. What we accept, what we say are, is delightful, what we say is good, because we will offer it to them. First Peter 3, 1 Peter 3, 1 addresses the how. Specifically, how do we go about? What type of demeanor? What person should we be to make sure our marriage is good? That it is right and tight. Okay, 1 Peter 3.1. And it says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, but the conduct of their wives... When they see your respectful and pure conduct. All right, we're going to break this down because for some ladies, they hear this and their flesh crawls. It crawls a little bit. They be like, subject to, hold up, hold up. What you mean subject to? We're going to break it down. So here, again, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Notice that it is an ask. No one can make you be subject to anything. God doesn't even force you. He doesn't make you take salvation. He doesn't make you accept it. You have a choice. And here it is saying, be subject to your husbands. In other words, allow yourself to be led. Doesn't mean you're giving up your brain. Doesn't mean you, you don't have any type of um, individuality because you're married. No, but it's saying allow yourself to actually be led. Led to what? Led through the love and sacrifice that he should be giving. Does he always make the mark? Nope, and he won't. He won't always make the mark. He won't always meet your expectations. He will let you down sometimes. Hurt will come no matter what relationship you're in. But there is an expectation that we still allow ourselves to be led because if we truly trust God, if we truly trust God, it all comes down to our own individual relationship with God. If we truly trust him, we're trusting him also with him as well. We're trusting him with his decisions. God, he tripped up today. God, I'm disappointed. Father, I need you to handle this. Lord, tell me what I should do. When you are being led by God, it is very easy to allow yourself to be led by that person. But when you're bucking against God, chances are you're not going to be able to submit to a flawed person that you're in a marriage relationship with. Uh, you know, the thing in here, First um, Peter 3, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, um, Peter's talking about a level of influence that the wife has with the husband. And he's saying, like, wives, you can win your husband. Meaning, maybe that means if they don't know Jesus... You can live your life, not, not through your words, but through uh, your, your respectful and pure conduct. You can show him Jesus. You can have the level of influence that God can use to help him give his life to Jesus. But it doesn't always just mean that. It could be an area where I'm not living up to God's standard or purpose. And through her... Um, uh, respectful and pure conduct, she can also have the influence on me to help me get to that place. Because marriage should make you better. Like it really should. And a lot of times it has to do with the focuses too in our relationship. 
break it down day to day. Okay, you're going to work. You're going through your day. They send you a text. They need to know, you know, about the coordination later on in that day, whether it's with the kids or, hey, did we say we we're going to hang out with this couple? Hey, are we going to date? Whatever the coordination is. And through everyday life, like frustrations come up sometimes, and how you deal with those can really set a, a path for that day and through the rest of your relationship if you allow frustrations to turn into, now I'm developing a judgment against you. I'm holding on to that judgment against you. Now I'm offended with you. I'm offended with you, so now I can not receive from you anymore and so therefore my heart is beginning to harden so my influence in this relationship is harsh it's cold it's aggressive so then you want the relationship to be healthy and like pastor Evan said he's like husbands you should sacrifice you should be leading through love with your wives well sometimes if they decide to jump in the on on the ship with us and not be that loving and all of that, then again, wives, we have set the trajectory for the relationship. And so the guiding goes the other way. Yeah. And so really, if you're talking about the purpose of unity, it comes down to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And, and you think, would, would Jesus talk to you that way? Would Jesus give up on you that quickly? Would Jesus judge you in that way? Would you, like, like when you start going through that, yeah, yeah, but they've done it a hundred times. Well, how many times have you done that other thing to Jesus? How many times does Jesus forgive you? How many times does Jesus make you right? How, how, many, how, how often does that happen? How many times? How big? How small are those things? And, and, and it's a life of sacrifice. And it is loving her, not in the way that I think she needs to be loved, but in a way that she receives love. Sometimes those are very different. And then with the ladies, it is respecting him. It is respecting him, even when he doesn't deserve it. Sometimes, especially when he doesn't deserve it. Now, apart from abuse and sin, your, your, your job to respect him is irregardless of his actions, apart from abuse and sin. And my job to love her is irregardless of her actions, apart from abuse and sin. And so, and so those two things, what they do is they bring this unity. God activates this unity in the marriage. And you'll find that when that happens, just like in other parts of Scripture, there's a level of power that's activated that you didn't experience before. We could go through all the way back to Genesis, all the way back here to, to God creating Adam and Eve. But if we even fast forward a little bit to Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel, God said that the people were so united that there was literally nothing that was impossible to them. When Gideon, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, when he wanted to fight that army of thousands of soldiers, God reduced it down to 300 men. Why? Because they were the unified men that were focused on purpose and ready to do what was need to be done. The Bible tells us that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. Jesus said that him and his father are one and you see the power that was activated when in Jesus's life and his death and his resurrection. And Jesus even said that the most important thing in this life is for believers to be united to God and be united with each other through the vein of love. There's amazing power that's activated when the two of you are unified. And 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 you know, if you look at the 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 thing that disrupts marriage, that, that brings the strife, which brings the issues. Um, we can look to James chapter 3, verse 16. It says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, even if it's just a little bit of selfishness, there will be disorder in every vile practice. 
A chapter later, James says this, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, your selfishness. Selfishness in any form disrupts the unity and disconnects the unity that God wants between a man and a wife. And it is Satan's main ploy to steal, kill, and destroy. And I can tell you this from personal experience. When I get selfish, we have problems. And I'm not even going to say the other way around. Because if I'm the leader, then I cannot blame her. I'm not saying I do it perfectly. No, I'm saying I can't be blamed. But immediately I thought, but sometimes I do blame you. I'm not always a good leader. But if I don't take responsibility, then we just go around and around and around. And I show her acts and say things that don't feel loving. And then that in return produces a disrespect to me, whether she recognizes it or not. And when I feel that disrespect, then I become unloving, whether I recognize it or not. And then she becomes disrespectful and we go around and around and it takes a leader to stop that and say, I'm going to be selfless. And no matter if you disrespect me, I am going to do everything that I know to do to love you and sacrifice for you and, and give up my rights and my thoughts and my preferences for you. And a way uh, to go about that in order to stop the cycle, like to break the disruption. And we're talking marriage, but this is in any relationship you're in, whether it's with a parent, with your child, any relationship you're in. There is a cycle that will continue if it's not disrupted. And here specifically for marriage in 1 Peter 3. And we're, we've already read um, verse 1. We've already uh, kind of gone down to verse 2 talking about the conduct that the woman can have that, will, that can win her husband, win her to, her to herself. No, win her back, win him back to God. See, that's the ultimate prize is a man serving God. You got a man that cares what God thinks, you got a good one. Because if he doesn't care what God thinks, then it makes us feel insecure in the relationship. And a lot of times you can get some of these weird things where they say women can't be understood and this and that. Why? Because sometimes we are just all over the place because of all the insecurity triggers that are being hit in our relationship. Sometimes we don't know who we are anymore. So when, I heard, oh yeah. I heard this, this, it was so good this week. I heard this story. This kid wrote a book, and on the, the front, the cover of the book, it said, um, uh, oh, it said, here's how you understand women. And then you opened it up, and um, it's, all it said was, you can't. <laughs> it, was just, it was just blank, and then it just said, you can't. See, he hasn't had a connection <laughs> with the Holy Spirit. This was a kid. This okay. was a kid. Okay, verse four, verse three, verse four. And it says, but let your adorning, and talking to the women here, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. A gentle and quiet spirit, not to be confused with the personality 
all of us have different personalities. Some of us, we're outgoing. Some of us are more subdued. You know, it just depends on how God created you. But the spirit of who you are is in the driver's seat in your relationship. The spirit of who you are. It says meek and quiet. So quiet doesn't mean that you don't speak with your mouth because we're not talking personality. We're talking about the spirit of who you are, though it will show on the outside, which is why God addresses the spirit. Meek and quiet. What does that mean? If you're quiet, you're at peace. You're at peace in your spirit. So what are you giving off in your relationship? Peace. When you are at a place where you have accepted God's love for you, it is so much easier to give love in your relationship. So who you are, the spirit of who you are, that is what will um, permeate. And I would say create the atmosphere in your relationship as a woman who can be the, the vehicle that God uses to bring him back to a place where God can use him fully, right? But in that, you are growing you. Your focus is you. And because your focus is in you and your trust is in God, he will do the rest. But you got to give him time too. You got to give him time. And along the way, you can't beat him up because he knows. He knows he's messing up. He don't need the person that he needs to be able to come back to against him and opposing him. If you have positioned yourself where you are opposing him, then where does he go when he wants to get himself back together? There's no one. There's no grace. There's no mercy for him in his home. If you've decided to oppose him because of the actions that he's honestly making against God, yes, it impacts you, but leave it where it is. He wants, he needs to get it together with God. Okay, I'm focusing on me and what I need to get done, and I'm going to fight to love you despite how you may disappoint me or this and that and another. I'm going to fight to love you. So that way, when this thing gets back together, because I trust God, I'm going to be right here. Come on, baby. We ready. We ready to keep on moving forward. We nice and strong. Come on. Let's do this. Right, Pastor? Sure. Okay, so we are out of time. We got through number one. Let, let me, let me, um, um, let me. A little bit of number two. Okay, so let me, let me, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, it says, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the number two purpose here in these verses for marriage is to reflect God. You are made in his image and in his likeness. So, yes, you need to be unified. And when you're unified, then you should be a reflection of God in the marriage. So God needs to be in the middle of everything that happens between us, every word that's said, every decision that's made, every moment of every day. We need to be reflecting God to each other. But then also we need to be reflecting God to those that are on the outside, that aren't inside of this marriage. And we need to be um, a couple that people look at and, and not based on the people, but we are reflecting God. They can see God in us and they can see God in our marriage. And some of the attributes of God that people need to be able to see and need to be prevalent in the marriage are love and forgiveness and compassion and faithfulness and intimacy. And when you have those things and you're reflecting God, then it'll produce this healthy marriage and, and you'll be on track with these purposes that God has for you. So when you're dating, when you're dating, you need to seriously evaluate, does this person help draw you closer to God or does this person 
kind of push you away from God? Um, does this person, uh, uh, their purpose, does it align with your purpose? If you are called to start a business in Round Rock and they're called to go to, 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 to South Africa, like what are you going to do with that? Because you're talking about purpose here. And so um, maybe you don't know the answer to that. And if God tells you to get married and he gives you a peace, then you go ahead with that. But you need to have your eyes open to these things because they're very, very important. And then number also, three. Also, do your values match? Like, yeah. do you have the same values? There has been some relationships um, or marriages that I, I know of where they viewed Halloween very differently. One is like, hey, we dress up and go around the neighborhood. The other one is like, hey, we go to the Hallelujah Night at the church. Like, I don't know what you mean. And so every year there's, right, because their values on some specific core things are very different. So make sure your values match. Yeah. And we're not saying these are like things where you do not get married if this is not perfectly aligned. But you need to go into it understanding these things. Number three is be fruitful and multiply. Is, is your marriage producing for God? You know, and Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, that he is the vine and we are the branches. And every, every branch that, that bears fruit is pruned so that it can produce more, but those that aren't are cast away. And so God is always interested in multiplying, in production, in taking something and making it better, give, making it more, having it reproduce. And so this, yeah, this means kids, but it means more than kids. And, and when you think of it in terms of children, it's not just having kids and having maybe a lot of kids or however many kids you agree on, but it's about raising disciples. It's about training them up in the way that they should go. It's, it's, it's about teaching them morning and in the day and, and at night. This is um, about raising them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. This is about making disciples through your children. But it's also in, in reproducing. It's about more than just children. Christians should be reproducing in every areas of our lives. We should be reproducing uh, in our finances, in our wisdom, in our understanding, in our connection with God, in our ability to love and our ability to receive love. All of those things should be reproducing. They should be being fruitful and multiplying. And so again, when you're dating, look for fruit. Look for fruit. Look for, is this person growing in God? Is this person stagnant in God? Or is this person going the opposite direction? Are they, are they shrinking in God? Because the assumption is that you're not going to be unequally yoked, that at least that's the baseline for the believer, because you cannot be unified especially with God, if one of you believes in God and one of you doesn't, if one of you is following him and one of you is not, and I'm talking about dating now, those need to be big red flags to you. Um, but then you need to make sure that you never marry somebody just based on potential. When you say I do, you are saying I do. If they never change, you said I do. I've had people that we talk to them about this in premarital, like, hey, if they never change, do you still want to marry them? Yes, absolutely, Pastor. Absolutely. I just love them so much. They drink a little, but I, but I love them. I love them. Three months after they get married, they come back and, Pastor, this fool is drinking. <laughs> well, you knew that. We talked about that. We, we, like, what, you said you wanted to marry this person. As they were. This is, you know when you go buy a car and it says as is? When you say I do, it's as is. Now you can pray and they will change. Not always for the better. Sometimes. 
But when you say I do, you're saying I do right now. You're not saying I do because I think, I see this greatness in you that God will someday and you will. And one day you're going to give your life to Jesus and it's going to be great. No, 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 no. You are marrying a heathen. Don't expect Jesus. And I don't mean that judgmental. I just mean, like, listen, 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 listen. If he cheated on you when you were dating... I'm not saying, that, I'm just saying, come get some counseling before you say I do. If he cheated on you bef- while you were dating, cheating comes from the heart of the person. It is not just an action. If cheating has happened, and, and I have actually broken this down before. I don't know if it was preparing for a message or something like that, and I know we're out of time. But when cheating happens, it started with what? A thought. A suggestion came to you about an individual or about a lifestyle. Then there had to be an accepting of that idea or that suggestion. Then there had to be intentional plans of. Then there had to be allowing someone to be close enough to you. Then there had, like... To get there. So if you think about your actions now and you find yourself on a path to, especially if you have children, recognize the path you are on and the explosion that will happen as a result of those actions. So we, you know, in terms of being united, like we're talking about, that starts in your heart. That's a commitment in your heart that your spouse will can never see. Right. They, they can't see that. But it does come out in your actions because these are things or matters of the heart. And if when you were dating, he cheated with you. And let, let, let's 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 bring it down a notch. If he if he was lying. During that process, then you, you got to be able to recognize you got an issue. So when you come into the marriage, I don't know what they think. Like you say, I do, and you and you go on that honeymoon, and you think you got a different. You don't have a different person. You have a happy moment, and it may be a short moment, but but you have a. And then you nervous the whole relationship because of what he did. So now you're snooping, you know, recording conversations, checking his phone, doing you, all. You're this. gonna have to come back to second service to get more of this because we are all the way out of time. Lord, and no it's peace. Just, it's just, it's just don't do it but do not marry on potential god can do amazing things and listen i I pray that i'm better today as a pastor than i was the day we got married i just needed that little affirmation right there i appreciate y'all giving me that moment but do not marry on potential and if you are already in that situation, you're already married, and you're like, I married this fool on potential. <laughs> look, look, you, you got, you got, you're in it because you made a covenant with God. And you cannot say now. The, <sighs> but there's work that can be done absolutely. to get there. Absolutely. It's not about now, oh, I did this for the wrong reason, so now I got an out. No, 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 you don't have an out. What you have is an opportunity to go before God and do this maybe at a more intense level to allow God to work on your spouse. But if you're a believer and your spouse is an unbeliever, the only way that you have an out is if they want to leave, not if you push them out or if you decide you want to leave.
Because God says that he can use you, especially you ladies, with the influence that you have to be able to win them. And listen, fellas, if you don't know, the statistics of when a man follows Jesus in the home are absolutely astounding. You win the man, you win the whole family. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.